Hey, everyone, and welcome back to From Vendorship to Partnership. We have a special episode for you today. We're sharing a jam session we held recently with Marissa Fuhrer, Senior Manager of Enterprise Sales at Figma. Marissa joined Ross live on Zoom to talk about how Figma makes the most of every deal by collaborating with their buyers. Other sales leaders who joined the session got the chance to ask Marissa questions about how to build a more collaborative sales process. Thanks for listening and hope you enjoy. From Accord, this is From Vendorship to Partnership, a show where we dive into the realities of scaling B2B startups. Join our host, Ross Rich, this season on The Seller's Journey as he chats with today's top sales leaders about building winning playbooks, scaling teams, and partnering with customers. I can start with a question to Marissa to kind of break the ice, um, who's going to be hopefully answering some folks' questions. I think we're going to have a mix of early stage sales leaders, some founders, some sales reps, folks on the CS side, folks you know interested in learning from how you know Marissa and Figma have kind of built this amazing sales assist motion on top of their product like growth engine and breaking you know up market into enterprise very quickly and successfully. To start, maybe what does Marissa? What does buyer collaboration or working with customers in a collaborative way mean to you? Yes, it is such a good question and timely for Figma because collaboration is, if if you're not familiar, Figma is a collaborative platform. Our mission is to help people collaborate visually. So collaboration has been at the core of everything, everything we've done since the beginning. It's ingrained in how we hire. So we look for people who are collaborative It's ingrained how we work internally and externally. And so it's a big part of the tools we buy, whether that's something like Accord, which we use, or we use FigJam, which is our whiteboarding product to collaborate with customers. And it's ingrained in our sales methodology, which we use command of the message. So it's it's really a part of everything we do. And something that's really interesting is our head of research just put out this new study that was saying that there is no universal standard for collaboration. Like everyone actually wants something different. And Mm -hmm. so I think how we think about it on our team is meeting your customer where they are and making sure you're asking the right questions and being as customer centric as possible. So that's, that's how we think about it at Figma. It's ever evolving. And I think the mindset of our team is really important. And then the tools that we use to empower our team along the way is also something we think about. I love that answer. It's something that I have found it really hard to verbalize. And I really like that clip of there is no, what does it mean to collaborate? It means something different for everyone, especially in a buyer journey. People are going to be at such different stages, right? Maybe they're like, hey, I heard about this thing. I don't know what it is. I want to learn about it. Maybe it is, hey, I'm actually evaluating this plus two other things. And that's kind of where I'm at. Or I know I want to use the thing. How do I go from wanting to use it to actually buying it, onboarding, et cetera? And it means, yeah, culturally, professionally, all that kind of stuff. I love that kind of meeting the customer where they are is, I think, a great definition of you know, philosophically how you collaborate with folks. So thanks for kicking us off with that. And then now we're going to open it up to the crowd here. I can break the ice here. Hey, everyone. Thanks for taking my question. Marissa, I'm curious to know from you, having so much experience you know, with collaboration, how do you position collaboration to your customer? Do you have like a certain talk track you use or how do you, you know, just explain that this is, you know, mutual and it's not like a one-sided thing that you're trying to push? And in your mind, when you say collaboration with your customer, what 
Is there a specific part of the sales process you're thinking about, or is it just collaboration in general through the process? Sort of was thinking about Fig Jam a little bit. And like, from my understanding, when you sell Fig Jam, it, it's sort of having the customer in Fig Jam and, and um, you know, guiding them through that sales process while also using Fig Jam. And so, yeah, I was just kind of curious as to like how you just like talk a customer through that process. Yeah we use the buzzword like customer centric or like customer first, but it really, I mean, it really is so important that the whole point of a salesperson is to guide your customer to their desired end state so they can achieve the outcomes that they're looking to achieve. And you are sort of their advisor or like tour guide to get them to understand the options out there and then hopefully purchase your solution at the end. So I think that for us, and I can talk about how we sell Fig Jam also if you want, but like a mindset of how collaboration comes to life for us is the intent is how can I understand my customer as best as possible? And if and if our solution is best to solve their needs, how can I guide them through this process? And I think the people that are seeing success at Figma are those that are empathetic and understanding and also prescriptive. And using a tool like Accord, for example, to build a mutual plan where someone's bought into every step of the process is important. Ahead of that, you need to be bought in together on what you're trying to accomplish together. Mm-hmm. And so it's a lot around like, how do you ask the right questions? How do you have curiosity into what they're looking to solve? And as a salesperson coming across with credibility and building trust, I think all those things allow for collaboration to happen. Yeah, I think and what I really like there is thinking about it first, what are they trying to accomplish before you get into even working together, just trying to understand, hey, like we're having this conversation, you're investing your valuable time to either, you know, evaluate or try to purchase this thing. What are you trying to get out of it? And I think a, the job of a great salesperson, you know, you can ask good questions and, you know, be the expert, but I think being able to reframe what they're trying to accomplish better than they could have even come into the conversation with is always my goal of that first call of that like discovery is, Hey, can I play this back and help you better articulate what you're trying to solve? Because I help, hopefully if you're a, you know, the right fit, the right customer for us to work with, I'm going to probably be able to understand this, this small part of the world better than you will ever, because this is what I live in. So first being able to do that, then we get onto how are we going to work together? What's the game plan? You know, who needs to be involved all those pieces, but first, what are we trying to do together and being yet yeah, super curious. And I think a lot of, a lot of people, especially maybe folks that are earlier in sales or selling a new product or customer at a new company kind of jump into the later stuff. Like, this is why we're so good. Or this is how we can help you. But like, how can you help them if you don't really deeply understand what they're trying to even do in the first place? And that's really, I think where you said more. So that's where that collaboration kind of begins. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, y'all. I love like the words like empathetic and like consultative, especially like in the beginning when you're trying to understand what the pain points are and building that credibility. So yeah, thank y'all. Of course. Cool. Well, let's take another question. This is actually my first role in more of a tech uh, remote, all things like that. Um, Complete new product for me. So I guess in, you know, jumping into it, having the sales experience to a complete new and different, uh, you know, industry, what are some of the tips you guys would have getting, um, you know, more familiar, jumping right into my vertical, let's say, and, and then really honing in on what the gut, my clients or my ICPs are, are looking for and speaking their language, so to speak. 
And your what is your role there? I'm an AE. Nice. So, uh, I'm an AE, but um, right now I'm still um, building lists, also calling out until I get uh, an SDI. Like doing it for me. Nice. I'll take a stab and then we'd be curious what Ross has to say. I think it's great that you're here and asking that question, which says so much about you. Uh, for what I've seen of folks coming into Figma and the folks we hire on the enterprise side are folks who've had experience in sales, but they don't necessarily have a background in design. So in some ways they're similar to you and that they're new to the industry. They're familiar with sales, so they have a little bit of a foundation, but there's always more you can learn about sales forever too. And I'd say what they've done well is they learn the industry. What are people talking about? What are trends that's happening in this space today? You want to sound informed to your customers. So we know in the design space, for example, that there's what is being coined the decade of design and the design is more important than ever before. And so our team needs to know that. And then we also know that hiring is a big priority for chief design officers. So those things, like what does the C-level think about in your industry and what are trends happening today at a macro level is really important. And then I think as you think about your book of accounts, you probably want to prioritize like, what are my top 10 accounts? What are my top 25 accounts, depending on your segment? And then you might want to go deep into like account planning and what's the priority for that business in the context of like the overall industry. So that's pro- that's like one bucket. And then you probably have a bucket on like learning your product itself and maybe why the product was built and why those features, what problems are those things solving? And what is the value it delivers to your customer and tying it back to the value. And then there's like the sales acumen bucket, which is some, which is probably rooted in some type of methodology you're following. And then I think the reps that do really well on our team are just like infinitely curious. So it's what questions do I want to ask and coming to every call with a plan and an intended outcome. And if you can do those things, you'll probably be in a good place and you'll, you know, you'll ramp a little bit faster. Awesome. Thank you. That's great. Yeah, that was a hundred better answer than I could ever come up with. But I think the things maybe that I can plus one that I heard that I think will put you in a position or anyone in a position that, you know, can easily be kind of the top 5% of any team. Um, the things that I heard, teach your customer something. Again, they work on a hundred things a day, a thousand things a week. You are the expert in this one area that you can help solve a problem. I think people don't have a lot of people coming into a new space don't necessarily have the confidence right away to feel like they're there, but you can be there because again, this is the thing that, you know, this is all the stuff that your company is teaching that all the resources that you have, the research you can do, you can be someone who can have a great conversation with someone about the thing that you're helping with. And again, to Marissa's point, try to have it not necessarily up, but like how to do the thing, but what's going on in the space. And that's going to put you at just such a better, you know, rapport building and just like ability to have this conversation for someone to potentially work with you. And, you know, especially early on when they're considering, do I even spend time with this person having this initial conversation? So yeah, totally agree there. And I think again, like what I feel from a lot of reps is this lack of confidence there. So trust that, that you can quickly become that expert. And I think overall, in terms of the sales acumen, the methodology, how you work with customers, the plan, the word proactive to me is like number one, two, and three, like, Always think about before any interaction, like how can you do one more thing? How can you, you know, get the touch point in from your manager and executive on a potential deal early, early, early on versus just when you need that contract signed? 
how do you send that email the day before a meeting, even if it's a first or second meeting? Hey, this is what we're planning on going through. Anything you want to add to get most out of it? The quick follow-up right after, you know, if you set the meeting, even if think of it's five or seven business days out, you need to have a touch point in between. Hey, yeah. had a great chat. This is what we went through. Send them something that might be valuable based on that conversation or thinking about our next meeting. This is what, you know, love to go through. I'd love to get your thoughts before. I think all those little things are the difference between that 70, 80% of quota and that standard rep on the team or that consistent A plus player who is doing 150, 200% every quarter. And it's not rocket science. It's not like you need to be the smoothest talker. To me, those are the little things that go so far. And like Marissa said, the fact that, you know, whoever else is on this call are going to listen to it after, you know, hopefully those are the folks that are going to be getting that, you know, one, 2% better every day. So yeah, totally agree, Marissa, on all that stuff. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. And maybe to tie it all back together to the first point of like confidence, people feel like you're taking up the in, you know their inbox space or like these things are annoying. They're not. Just another human on the other end. As long as you approach it friendly, hey, just trying to. No need to respond if you know it's all good. Getting in those touch points without the asks, I think, are you know definitely the way to to build great relationships with folks. So hopefully that's helpful, Steve. Awesome. Thank you so much. Of course. Of course. To Kevin, from Kevin, sorry, I have a question. If you're approaching a sale to a large enterprise, when getting approval from IT InfoSec is required for the sale to afford, how do you think about including IT and InfoSec in the sales process? It's a great question. At what point do you involve them in the conversation? Do you get in touch with them in advance, even before the decision maker has asked to move things forward? Marissa, as Senior Manager and Enterprise Sales of Figma, would love to get your thoughts on the dangerous world of InfoSec and the paper process when you're you're trying to build a business case, you're trying to work with these stakeholders and get the deal done. How do you deal with the stuff that can potentially kill it or slow it down, um, like InfoSec and RT? Kevin, it is such a good question and hits home viscerally for me and the team. It's I think the ideal and what we try to do. All of this is rooted in how strong was your discovery with your customer. And ideally, you have a champion who is helping you see the business value you can provide to them. And you've aligned on a critical event that they're trying to work towards. And so if, you, if you've done the discovery in a really good way, then you have understood what is the current scenario and the impact of what happens if they stay there. You know, the future scenario and what are the positive business outcomes if they go there. And you know that your product is going to help them see their promised land and nirvana state. And ideally, you know, what's at risk if they don't move forward by a certain date. And if you have that, you can coach your champion and say, hey, if you want to hit this deadline, let's work backwards. We need to start security and legal now. And so let's work in parallel with also getting the sign off so we can get this done by this timeline. And there are some things you can do, like put them on a trial for Figma. At least that's something really big for us where a trial could be 30 to 45 days. And we say, hey, let's parallel track the legal and security reviews. By the time the trial ends, we can move into full production. That's the ideal state. And that happens in advance of a officially removing forward from a decision maker. That said, there are definitely customers that say we can't do that. Like we have to validate that this is something we want to move forward with before we start legal and security. And so if that's the case, we're just very realistic around 
what do you need to see in what time frame so that we can then start legal and security and you're you're coaching your champion on this is what this means and you from experience you can say legal is going to take based off of your company and what we're thinking about what we've seen with other customers this is going to take us 90 days are you prepared for this to launch in september and try to help them kind of help them see around the corner. And then maybe they could get an exception for you to start something sooner, even if typically they they have to wait until there's this DM sign off. So that's that's how we think about it. It's not perfect. We try to make it towards our ideal state of like working it in parallel before a sign off. But sometimes it happens where we where we do have to wait. Yeah, that's, that, I mean, that's a great answer in terms of going back to the theme of this session of buyer collaboration it's all about how you frame it it's the first conversation you had going back to Marissa's first answer you're trying to figure out what they're trying to accomplish any anything any question related to the deal how do we do this that goes back to okay they're trying to accomplish this how can you put yourself in their mind and add value in the what you're trying to do which is hey i want to get this deal done asap right that's the best thing for my team how can that be best for them? Hey, when do you need this launch? Would it be better if we get this done in July versus August? Because you're trying to solve this real problem. Maybe it isn't. Maybe, hey, the deadline for this thing or doesn't start till then, so it's cool. Okay, so then maybe we don't need to do it in parallel, but just always going back to what they're trying to accomplish. Um, and then, yeah, I love that. What was the, the critical date? What was the language that you used? Oh, a, a critical event, yeah. Yeah, criti- critical event, right? Because how do you add urgency or another way of framing it, like help them get this thing done in a reasonable amount of time, you need to rely on something big at the company. And what I always like to think about when it comes to those dates, I think Skip Miller, one of my favorite sales trainers calls it the I date is try, you need to be a small part of a big problem. And this is really counterintuitive, but if it's a small problem and you're the whole solution of it, it's easy for that to get deprioritized and that date to get pushed back. But if you're even a small part of a really big thing that's getting done at the company, that's never going to slip because it's their biggest priority at the company. And again, it's super counterintuitive. And I think a lot of people look for, hey, we're going to solve this whole thing. You're going to done by this date. And that inevitably slips and slips and slips. And it's funny, again, when you go to, we're just going to be this key piece in this overarching thing that you're doing. Very rarely is that going to get pushed back. I'm seeing a bunch of other questions See, in the Q&A here, when using a cord during a sales call, how do you overcome the resistance of a contact on the call to invite a decision maker through email on the cord? Well, I'm going to maybe make this partly by cord, but like we're going to open this up into, hey, if, you're, if you did what Marissa said and you had a couple of conversations with them and you have this key date that they're working towards and the person you're working with, let's call it the champion, has another decision maker, how do you make sure that you involve the decision maker on that game plan? So it's not just up to this maybe mid-level person or low-level person that this thing slips, right? You want it to be the key person in charge of this big project. How I like to do it is probably exactly like Marissa said, which is, hey, what we usually find is this person needs sign-off. If they're not involved in the conversation early, they're not going to have the context and be really hard for us to get this done together. And then that's kind of how I'd frame it. I probably wouldn't invite them cold into any document, into any email thread without an introduction. And I've always tried to ask for that call. Hey, can we do a group call? Can we share the context with them live? You know, happy to help you with this. So you don't have to, you know, build anything. And if they won't invite you, which is common, even if they say no, create a one-page doc or a few sentences and bullets that try to summarize it from your perspective. Because again, you're the expert in this thing and solving this problem. 
you need to own that narrative. You can't rely on even the best champion who's bought this thing before to sell for you. So that's my thought. Marissa, I'm curious to get, get your thoughts on how do you make sure you can loop in the right key decision makers early in the process? Yeah, I think if you have the champion that wants your product and they're still resistant to invite their decision maker, one, I think that's a tell. But two, maybe if you really have a champion is ask just like having curiosity around around that. Like, tell me more about why you don't want to invite XYZ to this. And maybe it is an education process of explaining why that person needs to be involved. And no one wants to feel like they're not important. So there could be like, well, I don't need to bring in my boss. And maybe they actually don't need to bring in their boss. Like maybe like the CEO doesn't need to be involved in this conversation type thing. And we just signed a deal today and the VP of product was involved in email and we kept pushing, pushing, pushing for a call. And ultimately the director of product was able to get it done and got it done on our timeline or on our mutual timeline. And so, but we asked the question and we knew we had a strong champion. So I think that also could, I love what you said, Ross. And I also think you could ask some questions to uncover more and just remember like your customer might be new and buying something. So sometimes it just takes you educating them on how they can get this done on their timeline. Yeah, I think uh, I like that going back to, I think a lot of people will go to objection handling. Like, no, but this is like, I'd like, but I, I'm going to do that in the next time too. It's, hey, what we normally do is the next meeting we'll loop in this person. Like, oh no, I think it's fine. Like, cool. Like totally fine. If you handle it the way that you think, you know, your company best, but curious, like why you think it might not be helpful. And then maybe they position, you know, I, I brought in vendors before and I don't trust them with this thing. And, you know, the most, the average, the bar for B2B sales is not very high as we all know. So I think there's a lot of, some of that to work through. And that's again, why I like the give of, Hey, this is what I was thinking. And you can come to them with a more detailed outline and not just saying, Hey, we'd love to loop in this person. It's like, give them the why, give them what you're going to do with it. If it's more someone more senior, they're rightfully trying to protect their time and their reputation with the company. So if you can make them look even better versus worse, that's when they're going to probably loop in this person. Hey, put together this report. I wanted to get your thoughts. If we were to do something, this is what we normally go through. And then be like, oh shit, this is great. This totally relates to the big thing that we're trying to do in my company. And I'm going to look awesome in front of you know this VP. So that's also another way of, of looking at it. Yeah. There's a great book called Questions That Sell that I just finished on Audible. It's like six hours. And it's a great read for how you can approach different scenarios, the questions you can ask. And one of them was like getting stuck below your decision maker and then questions you can ask. So if anyone is interested in a book, highly recommend it. Awesome. Hi, everybody. Hey, Ross, your team has been awesome, by the way. They've been trying to sell me on a cord for a while. I love the. <laughs> Love it. I love it. And uh, we've just been waiting to kind of grow up to get into it. I feel like a kid that's been invited to the adults table a little bit. Um, I run just a two-man startup. Um, But we're often in like David and Goliath scenarios where like we're selling, we're in customer trials right now with four like um, federal level governments around the world and also a Fortune 500 um, as well. Um, We're kind of doing like a pivot expansion thing by accident. And we're just drinking from a fire hose and like, I'm so, I'm not a, I'm not in sales at all. So I apologize, but Marissa, by the way, like we're, we're also our app next to our cloud. It's all, it's all being designed in, in fig jam and, and everything. So yeah, it's like 
this is just so cool. Yeah, we're we're so unseasoned in terms of sales and like we're we're trying to live into like the accord model of like building a mutual plan and that kind of thing. But uh we're experiencing so many surprises and like every government has a different procurement process and I guess like my question is like how do you build like an initial common plan that has like those signposts um that would be common to I mean there's only so many governments in the world but how do you build that like initial common plan and then how do you revisit it with your champion because like we're just seeing so many surprises that didn't come out during the initial discovery and we're just feeling like you know we we passed for example we had a surprise meeting yesterday with the data and privacy attorney with the US federal government which we passed which was really cool and then they're like okay we're going to kick you down to this other team and it's like okay well that wasn't like part of the plan so how do we how do we like carefully revisit that like with our champion like is is that the best thing to do or i would would just kind of love to hear your thoughts there if you did have any advice i can share some thoughts and then curious Ross's take one it's a very challenging space you're in and there's probably some similarities but maybe each organization mm. also has their own things and so I'm hearing two things. One is like, how do you get ahead of surprises? And then how do you revisit that maybe? And then the other is like, how do you build a playbook? Taking Mm. the first one first. I think the worst thing for a customer is you not being aligned on their process and what they need to do. Mm. And we, we just had this happen for us. We, we were not in lockstep with our customer. And so when we're following up and saying, Hey, what, what's next? Are we going to hear back from your team? When can we sign? it's very frustrating for them because they, Mm -hmm. for them, they're going through their process and we don't know that we don't know what they're going through and it's our job to know. And so I think it's very fair for you to slow down, to speed up and say, Hey, Mm -hmm. I, I think we are misaligned and I, I apologize. I take this on myself. It's my job to know your process and help guide you through it from my end and bring to the table what you need. Can we take a step back and actually map out what this looks like for you? And if you use FigJam, like we've used FigJam to map out a process and like literally like, what does it look like? We personally like accord for the actual, like, what is the plan? Because it's very okay. structured. You can assign owners and dates. So there's a way you can kind of play with both or you could, it sounds like you have a cord, so you could just do it in there too. But I definitely think you should slow down and and realign. And that shows that you're about the customer Mm. because it's much more frustrating for you to be, for you to not know when they are expecting you to know. So I I do think that's okay. Mm. And we just practiced this yesterday, uh, this week, yesterday, one of the reps on my team Mm. did this. And he's like, I realized I don't know some of these things. Do you mind if we take a step back and actually realign on XYZ and the customer thanked him and he learned so much information. So oh, amazing. definitely have confidence in that. And it shows yeah. you're there for the customer not to get a deal done. And so that's the first, part. I'll pause on that, but that's like, that's how I'd approach that first part. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I think like the customers that are like our internal champions, they all want to buy, but I think they're also surprised by like the internal process because mm-hmm. like the data privacy lawyer was like, well, they're good, but we need to kick you down to like these people in, in procurement, you know, I'm picture this like shadowy back office and, <laughs> and, and that was a surprise to our champion. So, yeah, I think that's a really good point is to be empathetic to like, to the, what the champion's going through. They're trying to navigate that. And we don't know, 
that's what we say like whenever we hit a hiccup is like we don't know what their battle is that they're fighting internally and like they they literally got a text message from the privacy attorney like after like during the call because he left a little bit early and he's like they're like oh we need to send you here and it's like okay yeah so yeah it's super interesting i really appreciate the insight thank you yeah one other thing i'll say is when we encountered this with a really large organization q1 we had started legal in august of last year and we were we were with our champions and we were spinning wheels mm. through December. And in December, we got an executive sponsor yeah. who actually knew the process. Okay. And then we were able to close it in Q1. And so we learned that you cannot, like a champion is critical, mm -hmm. but for a very complex organization, you need someone who's bought something before and mm -hmm. you need, you need that executive. So it could be you asking your champion for that person. Like, Hey, it's, it seems like there's a lot of unknowns here. Who can, how can we elevate this conversation and someone help guide us for what what's ahead? Because it sounds like you all want this by X date and I'd love to help support you in that, but it would be helpful to know kind of what's left for us to complete and see if they can introduce you to a more senior person. Yeah. Okay, great. And just to get tactical about like, I think some good ways of how to do that. It's really hard to do when it's later in the deal. If you don't set the mm -hmm. expectations from day one and you're, because they're trusting you, right? They're putting their social capital out there and their valuable time and effort at the company to work with you on it, despite, you know, obviously they're doing it because they want to get this thing done. Yeah. I think it's really hard to come back to someone and be like, Hey, now we need this I think starting it and saying, Hey, like, we, this is how we're going to work together. I can help you with all these things. And then at this point, we, through, you know, whatever, you know, work at this like, you know, crazy thing. You can make a joke about it. Like, you know, to get anything done, you need someone to understand who's able to like, you know, grease the wheels. Who do you think is going to be the best person for that? And how can I help and support instead of you saying like, I'm going to get to this person. Like, how can I help support you in making that business case and all that kind of stuff? So it doesn't become like, how do I get there? But like, how do I support you in you looking great and making this thing happen? But again, this word that we've been using at Accord like about our, our deals is we're going to market. Buyer fatigue comes up. And I think once you have this like, classic time kills all deals, once you've been through it a bit and you're spinning your wheels, like Marissa said, that kicks in. And it's really hard to get asks in and do different things. Once you kind of have this buyer fatigue and that stoke level continues to drop week over week when you might not be getting things done or, you know, you're further from that initial outreach. So the more that you can front load and set those expectations and then get those wins along the way, even if it's a long sales process, but it feels like you're getting these things done. That's mm -hmm. how you're going to increase that over time versus again, develop that, that fatigue over time. So hopefully some helpful things to think about. Super, super helpful. Thanks so much for the session and thanks for the answers. Really appreciate it. Sorry, I was just going to say, Mahir asked a question in the chat here about, I think, finding a different champion at the company when the original might not be the best for selling into. Yeah, yeah. here's the question. I can quickly just pre-read it for everyone. Marissa, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Topic of champions, I have a question. In the case of the original point of contact, the company might not be the right product champion because of the seniority or busy schedule. What's the best way to navigate and find another champion at the company? Is this a process that should be started from scratch? Or is there a better way to go about doing this? That's a great question for Marissa because I know she's a champion of multi-threading 
And it's not just one person, but getting as many people in the process as you can, which I am too. So Marissa, love to get your thoughts on this one. Yeah. And I, it, if I'm reading that in the right way, it sounds like there might be a specific scenario you have in your head and it's a very nuanced question, but it's definitely one that we've encountered a lot at Figma. I think that one thing is there's a difference between a champion and a coach and an executive sponsor. Like all three of those are very different. If you have a coach, this is someone who's like really interested in your product, but they don't really carry any influence and they're probably not going to get anything done for you. And for us, I think we've gotten ourselves into trouble when we think we have a champion, but they're actually a coach. They're not going to help get our deal done. An executive sponsor is someone who is an executive at the highest of levels that has, or an economic buyer if you're using Medic, and they have the discretionary funds to spend money on your product and they're going to sign the contract. And then a champion is someone who is basically working as your person on the company side to help get this deal done. And so it could be you don't actually have a champion, depending on the scenario. But the other is, I definitely think it's fair to multi-thread. And depending on the scenario, you might start from scratch. It could look like a LinkedIn message to, hey, we've been working with other folks at your company, would love to see how you play a part in the process. It could be like your manager sending a note to someone senior at the com- at their company and saying, I understand our teams have been working together, would love to align on your vision for X in 2022. Like there's ways you can tactically try to get around someone. But if you are finding that this person isn't responsive to you, then yes, absolutely go find other people and use your, in like in terms of a collaborative buying process, like lean on your internal team to help you do outreach and then find new champions at the company is what we've seen, what we've seen work for us. Yeah. The only thing that I'd add to that before we jump off, yes, you're welcome, would be don't be shy. Like no one's, if you approach it in in the right way, no one's going to yell at you. I think it's happened it's happened twice in my career of doing sales over the last eight or nine years. And both of them were not deals. Like, and it was a huge signal. Like we said even before, like it's a signal to like, if you're trying to do the right thing, get the deal done and support your customer and it ends up backfiring, it's probably not a deal. So yeah, just try to get out there, build as many and have as many productive conversations as possible try to do it early on. Yes. So you don't get cemented into this one. They feel like you've built this really great relationship and haven't been doing that already. Make it standard. Have, I love the idea of multi-level intros as well. Even if you're a small team of, you know, of 10, 50 people, there's going to be someone in a different aspect that's going to be able to approach. Maybe it's the product leader. Maybe it's, you know, it's your, you know, head of product or CTO that's going to reach out to the right stakeholder on the technical side. Maybe it's your CEO or some business stakeholder that's going to be able to reach out to the other person. It takes two seconds to draft a note for someone for them to edit it and then send off. Even on LinkedIn is a great place that feels more casual, more like that text and friendly kind of thing. So yeah, dive in, experiment. Good question. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a tough yeah. one. It's a really good question. Well, to wrap up this time, flew by. I was a fan of this format. Hopefully other folks were. And huge, huge, huge thank you to Marissa for taking her valuable time growing team, new products launching, Fig Jam, Figma, Figma Enterprise, a lot of learning. So appreciate you sharing it with the, with the whole community here, Marissa. Oh, of course. Thank you for coming, asking questions. This was so much fun. I loved this. And good luck to everyone. And feel free to reach out on LinkedIn if I can help with anything I'm around. Awesome. Take it easy, everyone. Thank time. you. 
You're listening to Accords from Vendorship to Partnership. For more sales and startup insights like this, please be sure to subscribe here or at inaccord.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.